Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Check out the scores starting lineup. Molly and Hall, mornings 5 to 9. The Bernstein and Rahimi Show, middays 9 to noon. Lawrence Holmes, noon to 2. The Parkinson Spiegel Show, afternoons 2 to 6. Followed by Joe O, 6 to 10. And score overnights with Les Grobstein till 5 a.m. Only on Sports Radio 670, The Score. Live from the Hyundai Studios. Presented to you by your local Hyundai dealers. We are WSCR in HD Chicago. WBMX HD2 Chicago. A Radio.com Sports Station. The Score! It's Mark Grody on 670 The Score, a radio.com sports station. One more hour. I'm here until noon on The Score. We're going to talk more about the Chicago Bulls and their 122-114 win over Sacramento at 11:20 this morning with Rob Schaefer of NBC Sports Chicago. That's 20 minutes from right now. More Bulls talk and the impressive Zach Levine, what he continues to do, and why don't we put him in the same category as some of the other offensive stars in the NBA, present and past. What if with the Blackhawks, we're going to do that here in moments. And I'm available to you at 312-644-6767 on the text line or the phone line. You could tweet me at Mark Grody Sports on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook. I have a really horrible video up on Instagram right now if you want to check that out and just, just see what I look like right after I get out of the shower and I'm getting ready for a show and my timing is just a little bit off. But, yeah, follow me on Instagram if you'd like. We could play there. Like, like I said, I'm not a great sports follow on Instagram, but, you know, I do all the silly things that everybody does on uh, Instagram. A few of your text messages before we get to the, the Blackhawks. Uh, from the 630, Dwayne Wade, the other, Eddie Curry, question mark, question mark. Yeah, I was talking about guys that have come back to the Bulls that it just didn't work out, and the, the two names that had come to mind were Jabari Parker and Dwayne Wade. I think Eddie Curry is a different story because – he, although he was a star in high school, he never really accomplished what either of those guys did. And, and Parker didn't accomplish a lot. I get it. But it just, it was a different feel or a different angle that I was going for right there. Um, what's that, Julio? Okay. Um, 
Mark, thanks for the college basketball segment. Michigan and Ohio State play each other today at noon. That is good to know. You're right. And as that texture also pointed out, that moves that Illinois will <laughs> move into the top four after one of those two teams loses. That math would be correct. And maybe they would anyway, considering the, the strength of their win yesterday over Minnesota. That, By the way, that, that was Illinois' what they call seventh quad one win. That's the strength of schedule wins, quad one for Illinois. So you're fighting Illini, ladies and gentlemen. They are a quad one team. Um, 815, um, happy Sunday, Mark. Regarding Illinois college hoops, no love for the Loyola Ramblers. They are the last state of Illinois, or the last from the state of Illinois to make the final four. Yeah, I should have mentioned Loyola. I should have. But you know what I feel like? Here's what it is. I feel like all the Loyola love is designated for Mike Mulligan. We call him Mully. I allow him to. I allow the respect to my guy Mully to have all of the love for Loyola. I can't just jump on his bandwagon because it is his bandwagon and his bandwagon only. So that was just pure respect for Mully is what that was. All right. Keep your text messages coming. 312-644-6767. As you can see, I will respond to your text messages. The Blackhawks had a loss to a really good Carolina team the other night. 5-3 the final score. Patrick Kane had a goal and two assists. Had a spinorama at one point in time, which sounds good in, in Pat Foley voice and would sound great in rock and roll voice, too. Spinorama! Um, so the Blackhawks had won up to that point three in a row, and then we're all, we all kind of started to do what we do in the Blackhawks world. We're like, huh. Maybe it's time to start paying attention. Who are these Blackhawks? What are they? We all thought we knew what they were going to be, and that was a team that's in rebuilding, and quite frankly, a team that's going to be bad when you have three goalies to start the year and you don't know which one it is. So Kevin Lankinen has started to prove that he is the starting goalie. Well, he is the starting goalie for the Chicago Blackhawks. Blackhawks are 9-6-4. and four. I still don't know that they're going to they're gonna have a revelation of a season or do something different than what most of the Hawks experts have projected them to do. But we had yesterday Rosenblum and I were talking Blackhawks. We had Jay Zawoski on. Jay Zawoski is a Blackhawks insider, also the producer for the all-new Bernstein and Rahimi show on the score. We had Jay-Z on. He brought up a great point about the Blackhawks and where they are. Nine, six, and four. But what if, what if they had a couple of their other stars still on this team. Here is Jay-Z on that topic. I think about, I find myself often daydreaming about this team and if Taves and Doc were healthy, yep. what they might look like. And all of a sudden, when you think about that, hmm, you kind of think, wait a minute, this team might yeah. be pretty, it's pretty solid. I mean, they're in a playoff spot now, and yes, there's other teams with a lot of games in hand, uh, or at least they were going into yesterday's game. Uh, and they're and they're they're very competitive. If you add two top line centers, and Taves and Doc to this team, the conversation changes. I'm sorry, hmm. like that's they're a much better team that way. Oh my God, that is so true. You know, Kirby Doc out four to six months. Maybe maybe he'd be back for the postseason. But he's, he's got that broken wrist. That sucks that Kirby Doc is missing this season, by the way. And then mystery Jonathan Taves. Hope he's okay. But it's such a great what-if question. If 
if the Blackhawks, what would they be if those two guys were around? Would there be a different hope for this season? Do you even want there to be a different hope for this season? Because I think everybody was ready to accept the the inevitable rebuild after the hyper success that the Blackhawks had had. So that's such a great what if. And now, Jay Zawoski, you've got me thinking. Here's the other one, too. I asked Jay yesterday because, I don't know if you know this or not, Blackhawks fans, but... Carolina has a player on their team by the name of Tevu Teravainen. And he was a prominent Blackhawk. He was supposed to be the next big thing with the Hawks. And he is no longer there. And I asked Jay, I think the question might still be on there, but if it's not, I asked Jay about what he thinks about when he thinks about Tevu Teravainen. Speaking of uh, Calvin Dahan, he he assisted uh, Tevu Teravainen on a goal last night. He did. Um, that was nice of him. Went, went, that was very nice of him. <laughs> what do you think of when you think of Te- Tevu Teravainen? And do you still hear from Blackhawks fans longing for Teravainen because he was all the bleep when he came up with the Hawks? Well, you hear from me pining for him every episode of the Madhouse podcast. Ah, you're yes. Yeah, you're going to make Jay cry. By yeah, the I'm, so. I have a, going back to the days of Tuomo Rutu, who was kind of like the first Tevo, uh, I've, I've, always, I, I've loved Finnish players. I just like the way they play. I like the way they develop. I just like, I like watching them on the international stage. Uh, and Tevo was one of my favorite Hawks. And for whatever reason, him and Q just couldn't figure it out. Um, no. And, you know, Tavo's gotten better since going to Carolina. There's no doubt. But that's, you know, he hit his prime. That's what happens. Uh, but that's the cost of a bad contract, right? You had to give up Tavo Teravainen to get rid of Brian Bickle. And that is, when you look back at all those cap sacrifices, that might be the one that Oof. hurts the most. God, that hurts. If you put, put Teravainen on this team right now and you got Taves, I mean, I know it's different because if you had Tavo, you wouldn't have picked. History changes. But the kid's only 26 years old. And he signed for four more years at a very reasonable 5.4 million. Uh, man, that is that that's to me that's the one that got away, and that's the one that hurts the most. He can play center, he plays wing mostly, but he can do everything. Uh, more defensively reliable than he gets credit for. Uh, that to me is the one that hurts the most. It's one of the harsh realities of sports. Did, did that did that hit your brain like it hit my brain? They had to get rid of Tavo Teravainen to get rid of Brian Bickle. And there was value in Brian Bickle. Brian Bickle had some big goals and will always be remembered as a part of, uh, was he on all three of the Stanley Cups? I think he might have been. Um, but to get rid of this very talented, high ceiling, good now, good now, Tavo Teravainen. So I feel you, Jay. I feel you. But some great points yesterday on the Blackhawks. Some other things, too, that I was thinking about, and and that is Jeremy Colleton, you know, who got his extension, and he's rebounded nicely from a rough start, a no-win situation to be replacing Joel Quenville, the, the greatest head coach in Blackhawks history, considering his accomplishments. He wasn't going to win. He, he, you know, even the, like, we all want young guys. The, the youth factor, I think, actually hurt him. The fresh look and everything about him, the the whole part the whole Jeremy Carlton package this good looking young guy like none of it worked um, and there are still critics of his no doubt about it but I was listening to I think it was uh, was oh it was Con it was Cons Steve Conroy filling in for for Eddie Olchek as Olchek was doing the the outdoor game yesterday I do believe with Mike Tarico but but Conroy was making the point and Pat Foley as well that his communication skills with the Hawks now is apparently excellent. Like it's his system 
they do it his way, but from what they were saying, Colleton is very open to listening to players. It's not his way or the highway. And that was one of the things about Coach Quinville, and coaches earned that for sure. Quinville had his ways. He had his ways. He did, even though he tried to defend against it, Joel Quinville, you could see it. I mean, he liked, he trusted and liked veterans and didn't like young guys. You know what I mean? Like, so he clashed a little bit with Tavo Teravainen. So, um, you know. That, that's a good that's inc- it's good to hear good things about Jeremy Colleton because a lot of us didn't think he was he was going to last and this is a team who like the Carolina game which they lost five to three seven true rookies out there playing at different times for the Blackhawks I mean that's that's a lot of youth and the fact that they're nine six and four is good I, I think that <laughs> I don't know if it's going to get much better than that but it's been the Blackhawks, at least right now, are kind of interesting. That's the way I would characterize it. How about yesterday, though? One more thing from the NHL, and we're going to get back to the Bulls in five minutes from right now, as we're going to bring in Rob Schaefer from NBC Sports Chicago to talk about the Bulls. But too much sun yesterday. In the NHL. There was a sports game yesterday that was sunned out. So... After one period of play between the Colorado Avalanche and the Vegas Golden Knights at Lake Tahoe, the commissioner himself, Beavis Bettman, joined the NBC broadcast and announced that the game was being postponed until midnight. Eastern, 9 p.m., though. Pacific. Um, uh, this This was yesterday because of unsafe ice conditions. The bright sun on a clear day caused issues. Doesn't that sound funny? Throughout the first period, several players and even a referee lost their footing on slushy ice. We've got dangerous ice. It's slush. Oh, no. After the first period concluded, officials made an attempt to work with the ice. What they do? Drop some uh, diamond dry out there? And covered sections of it with tarps? (laughs) Wow. In an attempt to keep the sun off of it. Get that sun out of here. So anyway... The bottom line is here. Here is that there was an eight-hour delay, eight hours just to get this stupid outdoor game in. The novelty might be wearing off, but that's hilarious. A sports contest, too much sun, too much slush. Let's wait eight hours and they'll play. And then we'll play. By the way, the Avalanche ended up beating the Vegas Knights by a final score of three to two. And now you know the rest of the story. When we return here on the Grody Show, let's talk more Bulls with Rob Schaefer next on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. The Parkins and Spiegel Show on your ride home. Afternoons 2 to 6 on The Score. Junior for Illinois, averaging 21, 6, and 5. A contender for every national and Big Ten award. Io DeSumo. Um, I love the score. I used to work out with my dad. We used to always listen to the score. When um, DB told me that I was going to be able to score today, I was actually very ecstatic because, you know, growing up, I used to always listen to you guys talking about the Bulls, you know, Derrick Rose and all of that. You know, this is actually it's a dream come true. I, I love the game of basketball. Danny Parkins, Matt Spiegel. Afternoons 2 to 6. On Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score, a radio.com sports station. This is Sports Radio 670, the score, and 670thescore.com, Chicago Sports Station. Rebound Bulls, and it's Levine again. Why not, Zach? Just take this game over. Line to the lane, to the rim. Why not? Zach Levine with 34. Luke Walton burns a timeout. Put him in the hole. Put him in the hole of fame. Oh, by the way, put him in the All-Star game first. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> I think a lot of it is learning. You know, everybody learns at their own pace. 
it could be system. It could be the players around you. And then, it, you know, for me personally, you, you get to a point where you're tired of losing and you got to figure out, you know, you can't just blame other people. You got to look at yourself and figure out what you have to do better to help. And, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, with all that and I have all the capabilities to be a, you know, a really good two-way player. And, you know, I want to show that. Yeah. Zach Levine, 38 points last night during the Bulls, 122-14 win over Sacramento. Mark Rohde with you here on a Sunday morning on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, wonderful to have you with me. And I've been asking the question about Zach Levine, and we'll get into it further here once we get on the horn with Rob Schaefer of NBC Sports Chicago. But why is it that we are hesitant about proclaiming him as a number one on a winning team. What is it about his game that we don't quite believe in him or don't quite want to believe in him? Because he checks all the boxes in terms of one of those guys. And I think the biggest part, the number, like if you really want to zero in on it, it's what he does in the fourth quarter, no matter what he has done for the first three quarters. He could be two for 17, and then he wants that damn ball, and he usually explodes late in the game and when it absolutely counts. So let's get into more of that. We are now joined from NBC Sports Chicago. He writes for NBC Sports Chicago and watches and covers every Bulls game. He is Rob Schaefer from NBC Sports Chicago. What's going on, Rob? How are you? Good, Gertie. It's good to be here. Um yeah, not much. Just uh, a bit of an exciting stretch of Bulls basketball, kind of out of nowhere. So uh, enjoying that. Yeah, man. So am I. Now, do you get to go to the games? I don't know where we are with home games right now in the NBA. Are you guys sitting on your couch watching it just like the rest of us still, or are you there? Uh, I spent last night on my couch, but we, we are allowed to um, to go to the home games. We have limited access kind of up in the 200 level. Um, yeah. So that's been, that's been fun to do. I do try to make it to as many as I can. Um, for a little taste of it, but yeah, no travel and, and limited access for what we do get, but you know, we'll take what we can get. Do you believe in Zach Levine as a number one player on this bulls team and a guy who can lead and you win because of now and going forward? I suppose it depends on like the definition of win and kind of what the ceiling of that is. I still think when this team, if, and when this team builds itself into kind of a true contender, a title contender, there will probably have to be at least uh, a very, very strong number two next to him and of the kind of two-way wing variety. Um, now, for right now, I think it's working and they're winning more than they have in the last couple of years and they're in the playoff hunt. Um, I, I don't think that would necessarily, um, the fact that he's not an unquestioned number one on a true contender, I don't think that would prevent me from, for example, paying him this offseason at this point because of what he's proven uh, so far this year. Uh, mm-hmm. But I still think that he's going to need that, at least that number two, maybe even someone over the top of him to really take this team to the next level. That said, I think what he's proven this year um, has exceeded the expectations of most and been a leap that most, you know, as much as he's improved every year, didn't see coming in terms of the passing, the defense, um, to improve his scoring as much as he has when it didn't seem like there was even another level he could go to. Um, so, you know, I, I think true title contention is going to require, yeah, a little bit more in terms of star talent or a number one piece next to him. Um, but in terms of being that number two, uh, I, I absolutely see that at this point uh, on a good team. I've said that in terms of it, when, you know, trade stuff has been thrown around about him. Um, I've said that in terms of him being able to contribute to a team that's better and has a better context of roster around him. Um, and why couldn't it be true of the Bulls, you know, the way that he's playing right now? 
Yeah, no doubt. What, why, Rob, does, do you think he falls short of being an undisputed number one? Where does he still have to tighten up? Um, well, I mean, the defense can always improve. Now, I've been someone who's highlighted the, the improvements he's made on that end this year. I think he would even tell you there's still another level he can go to in that department. Um, the playmaking, you know, he's not necessarily – um, a hub of an offense on the elite, elite level of a guy like, you know, a James Harden, uh, you know, Trey Young, the Hawks are obviously down right now, but I think Trey Young is someone that people view as having that potential when you look at high 20s and, and 9 to 10 assists a night um, and kind of the inventiveness of a playmaker that he is. I think there's still a level for him to go in that department to get there. Um, I mean, mostly it's just a, a level of having to prove it and having that empirical um, evidence to fall back on. Um, so, I mean, really, maybe there isn't a cap that we should put on a guy like Zach Levine at this point because of how much he's improved and exceeded expectations this season. Um, it's just when you talk about being on that elite, elite tier of NBA players, you kind of still have to see it to believe it as much as, um, as much as you know, there really isn't a ceiling you could put on this guy at this point, especially because he hasn't really even entered his physical prime yet. Um, so, you know, there's little things like that that, that he can continue to tighten up, and, and I'm sure he will. Um, but really, it's just going to be a matter of seeing how this plays out over the course of the rest of the season and, um, you know, just letting him go out and, and prove that because that is something that needs to be proven before it can be said declaratively, I think. Do you think, like, I can't, I've got a better, I feel like I got a better handle on individual players than I do as the Bulls as a team. Like, I have, I got nothing for you as far as where they end up, like, record wise. What do you think? Are the Bulls a team that's going to end up being over 500 by the time the season is over, do you think? Over 500 might be uh, a stretch. I think they're, you know, falling in that two to four to five games under or maybe around the 500 mark. I mean, maybe they sneak a game or two over. Um, It's certainly possible. I think for them to be where they are right now, considering how kind of tough the schedule has been for stretches um, and to have that stretch behind them, um, I think they're on pace for 32 wins right now in a 72-game season, um, which would put you in the mid to high 30s um, over an 82-game slate. So, again, I mean, that's higher than I picked them to go this year. I think it's higher than most um, were comfortable going just because, again, it's something you need to see to believe. Um, I, I see them as kind of being where they are right now, kind of pushing and pulling in that two to four game below 500 to 500 kind of team. Um, but in the East, I mean, that's enough. Uh, they could have moved into a tie for the eighth seed last night if the Hornets hadn't had that crazy ending uh, to their game with the Warriors and won. Um, so, you know, I would definitely feel more comfortable about slotting them in as a play-in team or maybe a low-end, you know, seven or eight seed uh, in the actual playoff picture um, in the East than I would have, you know, two, three weeks ago or at the beginning of the season. In terms of getting over 500, I mean, that's a hump that has kind of eluded them for the last couple of years. And, you know, yeah. we'll see. This is still a team that has yet to, like, string together four, five, six wins in a row. Um, so, you know, we'll see how they can build off of this Kings win. They've got another winnable game on Monday. Uh, that'll be a teller to me is if they can start to really build on this over consistent stretches because it's still a team – for all the success relative to expectation, they're still kind of learning how to play a full 48 minutes. You even saw that last night in the win. Um, that's a shorthanded yep. Kings team that it kind of went down to the wire against. Um, so a little bit more before they get over that hump to me. Uh, but, you know, I certainly feel comfortable about them being in that bottom end of the Eastern Conference playoff picture at this point. Yeah, I really I really didn't think Sacramento was going to get back in that game last night. And you are absolutely correct. They did. But it, it gave us a chance to see more magic from Zach Levine and Kobe White yeah. and even Patrick Williams again. Um, and we're talking to Rob Schaefer, NBC Sports Chicago. I'm Mark Grody here on The Score. All of that, of course, can change. Projections could change if... Arturis Karnaschovas is to start, if he does make some sort of bold move or bold trade, 
Have you gotten any indication of of him maybe doing something like that or what direction he thinks this team is going? Yeah, well, we haven't really heard from Arturis or Mark since or Mark Eversley, that is a uh, general manager since preseason. Um, oh, wow. Billy Donovan has fielded, yeah, I mean, uh, publicly at least. Um, and uh, Billy Donovan has fielded a couple questions about that over the last few weeks, has basically played the, you know, we'll meet about it, we'll talk trade deadline stuff when the time comes. Um, I think they're still kind of obviously forming their evaluation of the roster and, and things like that. Um, but, you know, it's going to be an interesting calculation because you look at a guy like Thad Young, for example, um, a guy that's really been the Bulls' second-best player this year on a nightly basis, um, obviously coming off the bench, but just the, what he's been able to do defensively, facilitating the way that he's kind of helped a guy like Zach Levine or a guy like Kobe White with his playmaking because you could just pass it out of a double to him and um, he's going to be the three-on-four you know, with the pass or, or looking for a shot more times than not. Um, it'll be interesting to see because a contender could really use a guy like that and do you, you know, sell him off if you can get draft capital or maybe a young player back and look – super towards the future um, at the possible expense of winning now. And even the development of some of your young players, because a guy like Thad, um, he's been a hot topic of conversation among Bulls fans. That's a guy who's, you know, his locker is next to Patrick's. They've said, um, you know, he's helped Wendell Carter Jr. In his kind of journey to trying to be a better passing big man, um, obviously has helped uh, take some pressure off Kobe and Zach in terms of playmaking, facilitating, Um, So I think there actually is a a pretty hefty cost with losing a guy like that in terms of the development of the roster and obviously winning. Um, But, you know, can you lose sight of that for a team that's kind of floating near approaching 500? Uh, Can you mortgage that for, you know, getting two games in a play-in tournament that might, you know, wouldn't even exist if it wasn't a a pandemic season? Um, You know, I see the argument certainly for for moving on from a guy like that. So I'll be interested. That's that's the biggest case that I'll be interested um, to watch and see how they handle that. Um, obviously there were, uh, there, there was speculation. Oh, should, should they try to flip Zach now and maximize his value? I think he's mm-hmm. kind of played himself to the point that that's, that's a lot tougher to me. I mean, I would really need a godfather offer to, to oh, lose yeah. a guy like Zach Levine now, especially cause you know, this city has seen, I'm not saying that Zach Levine is on the level of a Jimmy Butler, but we've seen how that goes. The, the flip a uh, star for, you know, a couple draft assets, a couple young players that you hope turns into a player as good as that star is right now. And, you know, this city has seen how that can go um, sideways. Um, so, again, not saying that Zach is, any, is, is on the level of Jimmy Butler at all, but it's kind of playing out in a similar uh, kind of track to me um, as that situation. And I think, you know, if it were me, I would be very, very, very hard-pressed to move on from a guy like Zach Levine right now. So I'd be keeping an eye on the veterans. But in terms of an indication, I mean, we're still learning this new regime. We still got to learn their kind of behaviors and habits. So I can't say that I have, really have a read on it at this point. We'll just have to see what they do. Yeah, it's tough. I hope you guys do get to hear from those guys at some point in time via Zoom just to get just to collect a few more clues on Arturis and uh, Mark Eversley as well. Um, Wendell Carter Jr., you mentioned him. He that the Philadelphia game, which the Bulls lost, it actually started out as a Wendell Carter game and then quickly turned into a Joel Embiid game. But Carter yeah. came out hot, and I've been impressed with him since he came back from injury. And it seems like. The Bulls are, you know, Billy Donovan is still committing to him very much and wanting to establish him early in games. What have you thought about the evolution, the start and stop of the the Wendell Carter Jr. experience? Yeah, you're right. Since he's come back from injury, he's really looked for a shot early in games. I think, well, at least, you know, the first three. Last night it was um, a little bit more subdued in terms of his scoring impact. Um, but he was really pinging the ball around and, and kind of acting as that facilitating hub from, from the elbows and made a couple plays 
on the short roll, especially late. Um, he had an assist and a hockey assist in the fourth quarter that were that were big baskets. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, Billy has talked about Wendell as being one of the most important pieces on this team um, since preseason. Uh, so having him go down was unfortunate. It's been good to see him come back. You know, his minutes totals have been hovering in the mid twenties. I think he's probably still getting his conditioning and his timing back. You know, they've talked about um, that being a bit of a challenge um, coming back from injury. So you know, I, I think he's played well. Um, he's played with force and physicality that I think you'd love to see from a guy coming back from injury. Um, that I asked Billy about this last night, and, and he'll tell you, you know, the fouls are still, you know, a little bit too much at times, which showed up last night, although he, you know, I think he finished with four, um, so that's not terrible. Um, you know, but they just really missed him so much defensively as much as this team has struggled defensively this year. You know, you see it in a sequence like when you had those back-to-back blocks and Marvin Bagley at a key stretch of the game last night, how much he can bring um, in that respect too. So he has this kind of all-encompassing but kind of subtle impact on the team. You know, he's the team's best screen setter too. If you go back and rewatch and just watch him do that, it, it frees up so many opportunities for his teammates. Um, his passing does too because, again, release valve for a guy like Zach who's getting, you know, double and triple teams um, nonstop every night. Um, so, you know, I, I think he's a really, really important piece for all the little things that he does. And you've seen him really, really find his footing, I think, over the course of these four games um, it's good to see because people forget when he went down with that um, yeah, quad contusion, uh, he was really starting to come into his own um, in the last seven or eight games uh, before that injury. So it's good to see him pick up right where he's left off. That's a guy that Bulls fans have to be frustrated. They just haven't seen enough of over the last two years. Um, and, you know, you hope by the end of the year he can build enough that these little nuggets of potential that he has start to form something, um, something real. Cause there is a really valuable kind of versatile all around player in there. He just needs to, you know, really stay on the court long enough um, to build the habits and, and show that over a, over a larger sample size. Last guy I want to ask you about, Rob Schaefer, is is Patrick Williams, and not necessarily his his play on the court. I actually want to bring up something they were talking about on the broadcast last night, and they correctly pointed out that Patrick Williams is a guy who never smiles out there on the court. He always looks as serious as he can be. I think the, the, the phraseology stone cold killer was used what I, and I know it's only zoom and you guys can't ha- really get to know these guys, but what's Patrick Williams like? Does he smile? Is he fun loving? Or is he like the captain serious of the Chicago bulls? Well, well you see it on the floor, right? That kind of stone cold demeanor, it, you know, he hit a 52 foot buzzer beater yeah, to beat the sure third did. quarter buzzer last night and didn't, didn't crack anything. I mean, no smirk, nope. no smile, no anything, even his teammate, you know, his teammates kind of have to, uh, give that reaction for him. You know, we all saw Garrett Temple um, have kind of a funny face at that. Um, you know, two games ago, he hits uh, what was a, a dagger buzzer, or not not a buzzer, but a dagger um, uh, three from the corner against yeah. Detroit in that comeback. Same thing, steely demeanor. Um, so I think that's something that, that serves him well on the floor because he's had so much thrown at him. You know, 28 starts um, to this point in the season after not starting a game in college. I think on Monday he actually plays his 29th NBA game, which is the same amount of games that he played at Florida State. Um, and, you know, he, he's been really in the Bulls building for two, three months when you consider how abridged training camp preseason, the draft process um, all was. So, you know, I, I, that, that element of his personality I think is encouraging on the floor because it, it's kind of allowed him to, to take the ups and downs of, of a rookie year, which he's had. I mean, there's no doubt about that, yeah. um, but yeah. kind of take them in stride. Uh, I will say, though, that talking to Zach last night, he did kind of let slip a little bit that, you know, he is kind of a goofy guy off the floor. He kind of just bottles that up in the spirit of competition. Um, 
And we've even seen that. I mean, there was a moment uh, after uh, – it was either after a practice or a shoot-around earlier in the year where he came up to the Zoom microphone and there was Drake playing in the Advocate Center. And, and he, you know, sang along to that a little bit impromptu. So, uh, yeah. you know, still a 19-year-old guy. Uh, but, you know, if you're a Bulls fan and you're looking at just the physical tools, the skill set um, that he's shown to this point in his career, and then you combine that with everything you hear about him being a really voracious question asker, um, wanting to hear from vets, wanting to, you know, absorb all the information he can, um, and then have that kind of, you know, even keel, not getting too high or too low on the court. It all combines to just make a really, really um, intriguing prospect and somebody that uh, I see no reason to not be super excited about long-term. No doubt. Had a double-double last night, continues to improve. And yeah, just like any rookie, like you said, he's up and down for sure. Rob, thank you so much, man. I appreciate you coming on. Great info as always. Yeah, good to be on. Have a good one. All right, man. That is Rob Schaefer of NBC Sports Chicago. Read his bull stuff just about every day. Um, I want to read a couple things here that I've been collecting on social media. On on Twitter, this is from Tom K. I don't want to butcher your last name, Tom, because he's already mad at me. Uh, Tom says, come on, Mark, not great analysis on the outdoor game. The sun made it difficult to keep the ice playable as it was also warmer, and in the evening it is colder and, of course, no sun. Tom, you're right. You're taking me way too seriously. I was just – I'm amused – by the overall fact that a sports competition had to be postponed for eight hours to wait for it to get colder and darker. So I don't know. There's just something entertaining about that. But Tom, Tom, if it helps, you are absolutely correct. That was not great analysis Um, from Luke. And we've had a a lot of, from Luke Erickson on on Twitter, at Mark Grody Sports, we've had a lot of people say this, and on the texture line, too, and I feel like I've done a community service today because he says, thanks for all the align I love today. I'm enjoying their increased coverage on 670, the score. You're welcome. I mean, I like, there's just not a lot of huge interest, I think, in general for college basketball uh, in Chicago, but if teams get good, and especially the prominent ones the team of record is illinois whether you're an illinois fan or not when they're good and if they could be good in a sustained way chicago will get around them and we'll talk more college basketball but it takes winning actually to get us excited about it and it it is what it is but illinois certainly worth talking about seven in a row and beat minnesota 94 to 63 they got a couple of stars and iota sumu and Kofi Coburn was knocking guys around. He looked like a monster in there. And Adam Miller stealing left and right. So it was good, man. And they are, they're going to be in the top four here very soon and have a chance at a number one seed and a, just as good a chance as anybody of winning a national title this year. That's right. I said it. Um, from just a guy on Twitter, seems your punctuation might be off. Full of pot coffee. No, 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 no. Just regular coffee. I need the upper, not the downer. Come on, man. Um, Let's see. There was another mistake that I had made that I actually wanted to give some credit to because I I said it and I knew I messed it up. Oh, yeah. From the 6-3, earlier I was talking about um, Iota Sumu, who played at uh, Simeon and Morgan Park. This texture claims, and I'm just going to go ahead and believe him, that I said... um, or excuse me, Westinghouse, not Simeon. Okay, now I now I'm questioning everything. Was he West? Was did Iota Sumo play at Simeon 
or Westinghouse? Do you know off the top of your head, Julio? Because now I'm all sorts of confused. We'll figure that out. We'll get we'll get to the bottom of that mystery. So I apologize to Io Desumu and the Desumu family. And they probably are listening because apparently they are they are scoreheads of of the top notch variety. He went to um, both. All right, he went to both. Wait, wait, wait. He went to both Westinghouse and Simeon. It, according to a quick Google search, it says both. Okay. Stand by. All right. Well, yeah, we'll we'll figure this out. I I thought I I had it down to Simeon and Morgan Park, and I might have botched that. So. Uh, all right. Well, he we'll figure it out. To Morgan Park from Westinghouse after a okay. That's year. it. That's it. That's it. So I did screw it up. I said Simeon. It was Westinghouse from which. Now I shouldn't get myself deeper into potential mistakes here, but I think Westinghouse is where all the early DePaul guys, like Mark Aguirre and Terry Cummings and Kenny Patterson and Teddy Grubbs, all them boys were from the great Westinghouse and those great DePaul players and those great DePaul teams, which captured my imagination. But uh, anyhow, let's take a break. When we come back, I there is Jake Arrieta tape I'd like you to hear. Finally, we get to hear from Jake Arrieta. Let's hear what he sounds like second time around with the Chicago Cubs, what, what's on his mind, what he is saying, how he fits in, and then a couple of things. There's a there's a television show that I watched episode one ever of last Sunday. Episode two is on tonight. It's a show that I really wanted to love, and I was not convinced in the first episode. So I'll talk about that as well. Plus, Saturday Night Live last night. Yeah. It's all next on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Start your day on The Score with Molly and Hall. Live at 5. For Chicago. From Chicago. They're live and local. Covering the Bears. Cubs. Bulls. And Blackhawks. Molly and Hall. Delivering the sports stories that matter to Chicago. Mornings 5 to 9. Only on Sports Radio 670, The Score. A Radio.com sports station. This is Sports Radio 670, The Score. And 670thescore.com. Chicago Sports Station. Mark Grody with you on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, I'm going to be with you here until noon, and then we'll get into CBS Sports Radio. Jake Arrieta is back with the Cubs. In case you didn't know, in case you hadn't heard. But I've been anxious to hear from Jake Arrieta. I covered Jake Arrieta when he was with the Cubs, my three years doing pre and post, 2015, 2016, and 2017. So I did get to see the best of. I had many conversations with Jake Arrieta. My favorite, and I think I've told this before, well, there's, there's a lot of cool moments with Jake Arrieta, but just like getting into like baseball stuff, with Jake Arrieta, I remember it was a game against the Brewers, and I sometimes I like to, you know, butt in on the opposing manager's press conferences. And Craig Council was holding court in the dugout, and it was the night after Arietta had blistered the the Milwaukee Brewers. And I asked Craig Council about Jake Arietta, and I said, well, you know, what is it about this guy that it makes him so great? What is this revelation? And Craig Council said, look, when he's got all those pitches going, like those four pitches working, it's almost not fair. And then later on, I got to sit with Jake Arrieta and just 
shoot the bleep with him for a while, and a bunch of it was on record. But um, I asked him, I said, hey, Craig Council said it's it's like going up against you is not fair. And <laughs> Jake Arrieta looked at me and said, he's right. <laughs> he's right. I mean, that's how supremely confident he was, and that's how good Jake Arrieta was. Now, his tenure with Philadelphia started well, but it didn't end well. He was injured and then ineffective, not doing Jake Arietta things. So let's let's hear from Jake Arietta. We had not gotten the chance to actually hear from him. he was you know the the report came out that he was going to the Cubs and it became official and finally he is talking. Let's start with what Jake Arietta said about rejoining Kyle Hendricks. He's he's grown a lot. You know he he's so in tune with his body and and what it takes for him to to get ready for the season. I mean, the guy, not, not everybody could do this, but, you know, he throws 60, 70 pitch bullpens uh, at, at super low effort to, um, to get that repetition and, and know what everything feels like, each one of his pitches. And uh, that's, it's something that, that's, that's hard to do, but he has the, the body awareness and the understanding that he can operate at, at such an intensity that doesn't, uh, doesn't set him back as we progress throughout spring training. And, um, you know, he's a guy that operates on feel and guys like myself and some of these other guys that have big velocity can learn a lot from a guy like Hendricks who, you know, manip- manipulates the ball pitches anywhere from, you know, 87 to 90 miles an hour. Um, he doesn't try to do more than he's capable of. And, um, I mean, the numbers, the numbers don't lie. This guy's able to go out there with what people would consider a below average stuff and, and really dominate some great lineup. That's Jake Arietta. And you know what that sounds like? Jake Arietta. That's Jake Arietta. Doesn't it sound like Jake Arietta? It's good to hear his voice. All right, I have an update. This is almost like score breaking news. This is awesome. Um, we were I had botched earlier the the high school to which Illini star and Chicago star Iodasumo had gone to. I said Simeon and Morgan Park. I was wrong. He played at Westinghouse in Morgan Park. The reason that we were able to finally confirm this, and we kind of landed on it, but we weren't sure, Julio Roseo and I, Mr. Desumu called the score. He is a scorehead, and we know that Io said that he listens to the score as well, but he called in very politely, said he's enjoying the show, and he just wanted to make sure that we had it right. So thank you very much, Mr. Desumu. How was that to talk to uh, the good... The, the Mr. Desumu on the phone there, Julio. Incredibly nice man and just wanted to set the record straight. But yeah, very nice man. And yeah, you can tell he's he's a big scorehead. I could hear the I could hear you in the background when he called in. <laughs> Was he like, oh, and by the way, for Bears quarterback, why aren't they giving Fitzpatrick a look? <laughs> no, he didn't give us a Bears Monday <laughs> no. question. Okay. Well hopefully, you know, hopefully he'll call in at some point in time and we could talk Bears with him. And we would love to hear from Iomar because he was great on the radio the other day with Parkinson Spiegel. That was fun getting to know him and I am on board with the Illini. All right, let's get back to Jake Arietta. Other than it sounding like Jake Arietta. Let's get into so that was the fun the, the the easy stuff with Kyle Hendricks. What about his effectiveness and what he can be because of the injuries that he had? Let's get into that topic with Jake Arrieta. A touchy no no players like to talk about injuries. They hate it, but Jake Arrieta was asked about the injuries that he has had. The injuries I've had are um, I mean an injury is an injury, but a meniscus is 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 a pretty simple uh, cleanup. I was able to pitch with it. Um, 
fairly well in 2018. Um, and then the bone spur, you know, there's really nothing I could do about that. I had the operation done in August of 2011 for the first time. And, you know, for eight years I had no issue. And then it, it built up to a size where every time that joint tried to, you know, I tried to close it shut on, on extension and, and releasing each pitch. It just got to the point where it wasn't manageable anymore and, um, had to clean it out again. And now the elbow is great. Good to hear. And you know, I think that that somehow in some ways justifies the decision that the Cubs made a few years ago when they chose you Darvish over Jake Arrieta. It looked like a train wreck at first, because remember when Arrieta first got to Philly, he played well and Darvish was bad. So, and I think these were some of the fears that the Cubs had. Can this guy continue to stay healthy considering the, the windup and the mechanics and all the things that the Cubs let go, but you know, I think there was a correct, as it turned out, the, the Cubs won the trade by a few notches. All right. A um, couple more things from Jake Arrieta. And so here we are now. Jake Arrieta returns. There's all this talk about the Cubs core, whether they're staying, whether they're going. Some of it is gone, as we know, with Kyle Schwarber and the big trade of Yu Darvish, although he's not like a traditional core member. But the question that was asked to Jake Arrieta was, or his statement here, he wants the Cubs core to put their walk year out of their head. Here's Jake. Well, I, I don't know how much advice those guys need from me on that topic, but I, I would I would like them to try and put it out of out of their mind as much as they can. Which you know, to do it 100% is probably impossible because let's just face it, that's that's a huge moment in um, in each one of their lives and their families' lives and. It's a big part of the the next phase of their career, um, but I think first and foremost, the most important thing is developing that that team bond here uh, in Chicago this year, performing to the best of each one of their abilities, and um, you know obviously if if they're able to do that and stay on the field, they're going to get compensated very well for that. No matter what, they're going to get compensated well, but it is so tricky trying to project and figure out what becomes of these Cubs, the, the core players. And that means Javier Baez, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, and I'll throw Wilson Contreras in there as well. Like what, what will become of them? Who surprises us and gets the extension? Who doesn't get the extension? And... You know, Chris Bryant feels like he's been traded for two years, but he's still there, and he's still there, I think, because there just isn't hasn't been enough interest for KB. So it is it is wait and see. One more cut, and this you had to have this question in there to Jake Arrieta. I probably would ask the question too. I'm a, I haven't heard the his response, but I'm assuming it was a fun one. He was asked about his workout routine. Workout routine, nutrition. That's, uh, that's never wavered. Um, I take a lot of pride in that. And, uh, you know, now not only do I want to play this game and, and perform as long and as well as I can, you know, I have two kids who are now nine and seven that I, uh, kind of want to, want to show by example on, uh, what it takes to, to be healthy and not to have to rely on, you know, medications or, uh, other things throughout your life to, uh, you know, cover up cover up ailments or or whatever so that's kind of my motivation 
All right, there, there's Jake Area. It wasn't as fun as I thought it would be. I thought we were going to get into Pilates and weightlifting and, and running stairs and working out with the media at the same time. But, yeah, he's still – I mean, I've seen pictures of him in Arizona. He still looks like Jake Arrieta. And now we have evidence, too, that he still sounds like Jake Arrieta. How he pitches this year, who knows? I mean, based on what he's done the last couple of years, there's no way you could sit here and depend on him as, as a top-of-the-rotation starter. No way you can do that. Um, right now, you got two guys that I know are going to be starters for the Cubs this year all season, I think, in Kyle Hendricks and Zach Davies. And then we'll see on Alec Mills. We'll see on Adbert Alzali. We'll see on Jake Arrieta. We'll see on who else? Trevor Williams, Shelby Miller, Cole Stewart. So still a lot of question marks for the Cubs as far as their starters go. Back to my Twitter. This is called you can have a, a comfortable, healthy, critical give and take with, with people when it talk, comes about sports. I talked about Tom K earlier who was ripping me for my bad analysis of the of the outdoor hockey game when I was just having fun with it because, you know, it's sunny and you had to delay the game eight hours. And Tom K wrote me back now and he says, thanks, Mark. I appreciate it. And you mentioning it on the air. You are right. I sometimes get a little too serious about hockey. I enjoy your work. See how that works? See, it can be cordial sometimes. Um, Saturday Night Live last night, fantastic. Finally getting a little bit more feature from Chloe Feynman as Britney Spears, just crushing a Britney Spears impersonation in the in the cold open. And Saturday Night Live has figured something out that's been going on for a while now, and I think it dates back to when Melissa McCarthy was playing Sean Spicer, that they are figuring out a way to have the talented women of Saturday Night Live play men and not necessarily having it be the punchline. Like, they're just doing a good... Like, last night, A.D. Bryant played Ted Cruz in the cold open segment, and it works. At first, it was just funny that it was a woman playing a man. Now they're just doing good impersonations, and it's not as distracting. So it was good, solid thumbs up to SNL last night. Fun show today. I've enjoyed this here for the last three hours. Thank you to James Fox of Future Sox breaking down, well, the White Sox. Eric Edholm joined me from Yahoo Sports. Rob Schaefer on the Bulls. Great job of putting the show together by Julio Roseo. Thanks to him. Thanks, everybody, for listening. You can continue to follow me on Twitter at Mark Grody Sports. You can find me right now on Instagram with a horrible video before the show started, fresh out of the shower, no makeup on or anything. Oh, my God. Have a great rest of your weekend, and I will talk to you soon on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Bound Bulls, and it's Levine again. Why not, Zach? Just take this game over. Line to the lane, to the rim. Why not? Zach Levine with 34. Luke Walton burns a timeout. Put him in the hole. Put him in the hole of fame. Oh, by the way, put him in the All-Star game first. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> when I start to run out of what to say, I always add, and, and more. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.